Hikari now. Oh, how are you right now? It's been a tough stretch of games. <laughs> been a bit of a tough stretch of games. And uh, folks, hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake. We're in the second half of the season and um, the Habs taking on the Edmonton Oilers. I was going to make this the first uh, YouTube episode. Uh, I was going to do a video version of it, but I tried a couple of times to start the video and I was like, nah, I, don't, I, don't, I, j- I just don't have it in me. Uh, not not today anyway. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe next game uh, I'll do a video episode and you guys can see my mug if you really feel like it. But if not, uh, of course, you're always still going to have the uh, audio versions available for you. And we are not here to talk about me anyways. We're here to talk about your Montreal Canadiens taking on the Edmonton Oilers. Um, coming off the heels of that absolute dog shit game against the fucking San Jose Sharks. Um, I, I was a little bit concerned going into this game. You know, wh- what are we going to see? Are, are we going to see the version of the Habs that are able to take it to some of these better teams? The Oilers are on a crazy hot streak right now. Like, what are we going to see? What, what version of the Habs is going to show up? And... We're going to get to that. Well, we'll talk a little bit about what version showed up and uh, everything that went into it. But before we do, as you all know, we do have a sponsor to talk about. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, as a matter of fact, they're upon us. We had a couple of games today even. And the NBA season in full swing. Bet Online has you covered with all the up-to-the-second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get in on the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus and your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, this was a start of another kind for the Montreal Canadiens because it's not just the start of the game for them, it's the start of one of my favorite players' careers. Le sniper Beauceron, Joshua Roy, was playing his first game in a Montreal Canadiens uniform. Uh, absolutely over the moon excited for this kid. He deserves it. It's probably overdue. Um, and he's there. And, you know, for, for me, I was very interested to see how that was going to go. They put him on a line with Sean Monaghan and Yoel Armia. And that was, uh, quote unquote, their second line. So you could have a bit of a conversation there and go, well, it's... Not very much of a second line. You got a guy who's played his entire season so far in the AHL and playing his first regular season NHL game. You got a guy in Sean Monaghan who barely played last year, been injured a lot, definitely probably a top six player, uh, you know, if you look at his career. Uh, and then you have jo- Yoel Armia, who is not a top six player at this point in his career whatsoever. So um, intrigued, intrigued I was to see how that would go. And we go into the first period and... Honestly, the Habs are, I mean, they're skating with the Oilers. There was an immediate scoring chance right off the drop for the Oilers. And I'm like, that's not good. But then shortly after that, Cole Caulfield gets tripped by Ryan Nugent Hopkins in the offensive zone. And there's some sloppy puck movement at first by the Habs on that power play. Like, honestly, Caulfield had an opportunity to maybe get a shot, but he kind of like fell because he wasn't expecting the puck to come to him. And the puck just skirts over to the boards. And it was weird. But then they were able to settle it down all of a sudden. 
Nick Suzuki gets an opportunity from the top of the circle, his favorite spot to shoot. He sells shot long enough to move the defense around and then slides it across to guess who? It's Cole Caulfield, and he puts that one into a wide-open cage. It's one nothing for the Montreal Canadiens pretty early in this game. They would get another power play chance later on in the period, and they would fail on that one. Um, and that seemed to be all of a sudden the end of the power plays for them. The refs just allowing interference willy-nilly for the Oilers. Adam Ernie at one point blew up Jordan Harris, knocked him on his ass. It was a beautiful hit, and it would have been a clean hit if not for the fact that Harris was 10 feet away from the puck, and they just ignored it. They let that go. But anyways, the Montreal Canadiens get out of that period. They still have their one-goal lead. They were outshot 9-6 to in the frame. Not too bad. Not too bad when you consider who they're playing against, that they didn't get outshot worse than that. So... The good news, really, for me, was that they were playing relatively good, aggressive defense. So anytime that the uh, Oilers would cross the offensive blue line into the half zone, they would be on them, and they would push them out to the wall. They were not allowing them to establish any kind of a cycle game. They were not giving them time or space, which are two things that the Oilers can absolutely burn you with if they get. So the Habs not letting them have any of that. The key was stay the fuck out of the box. And 12 minutes into the period... In the second period, that is, they break that rule. Brendan Gallagher, he hooks Leon Dreisaitl. Um, I understand that one. I think that's a pretty fair, that's a kind of almost a good penalty to take because Dreisaitl was about to go in alone. So you, you don't want to allow that. You know, maybe take your chances with the power play. And guess what? The Habs actually managed to kill it. Surprising. I thought that was a guaranteed goal. I was thinking, I literally, we were talking about it in the EOTP Slack chat, and we were saying, you know, this is where the game gets tied, right here. Not, nothing we can do about it. And they actually managed to kill it, and then nothing else going on in that period. So they go into the third period, maintaining that one goal lead. In the third period, early in the period, Warren Fogle drives the net, coming out of the corner. He gets stopped by Samuel Montembeau. Uh, but while he's getting stopped, he also kicks Samuel Montembeau's stick up in the air and moves his entire arm out of the way, and Leon Dreisaitl follows up and jams it in with the toe of his stick. Um, the Habs would challenge for goaltender interference, and the goal would be upheld. Now, I look at that play, and I have a few thoughts about it, okay? So... Number one, David Savard is there, and he's on Fogel, and he's kind of pushing on him a little bit. So I, I could see how you might make the argument that he was driving him into the net. On the other hand, I don't think that David Savard being on Fogel is what made his right leg come forward and kick that stick out. I think he was trying to get the puck. It's a natural thing. I'm not trying to say he was trying to kick Samuel Montembeau. I think he was trying to get his foot on the puck and man my chair is really squeaking on me today so I apologize to anybody listening to this I'll try to stop that from happening moving forward um I think he was trying to kick at the puck and but the 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 point is I don't believe that he was actually drove in and I do think that that kick to the stick needs to be considered goaltender interference now they allow it whatever the score is 1-1 now the game's all tied up and not long after that, they called Connor McDavid for goaltender interference for contact that was honestly less, you know, problematic for me than the one that happened on the goal. So these fucking refs, they allow a goal that looks pretty questionable given what happened prior. And then they call a penalty for something that doesn't look as much as interference as the thing they allowed to be 
not only just not a penalty, but a, a goal. They allowed a goal on something, and then very shortly afterwards, they called a penalty for something that looked pretty similar. So, again, we are back to square one when it comes to goaltender interference. Nobody knows what it is, least of all the officials. Uh, anyways, the teams trade penalties from there. Nobody can do much in the power play. The longer that the period goes on, the more that the Habs are kind of just holding on for dear life. Brendan Gallagher takes a hooking penalty with barely under two minutes to play in the game. And they have to kill that one or they're going to lose. And guess what? They actually, by the skin of their teeth, manage to kill it. They get it done. They get into the overtime period. They've got to kill off 10 seconds of that penalty. And they manage to do it. But they kill that off. And then Mike Matheson takes a high-staking penalty. And now you have a full two-minute four-on-three power play for the Edmonton Oilers. What did I say earlier in the recap? Time and space is a killer. You can't give this team time and space. You just gave them a whole lot of time and space. And what happens? Connor McDavid, he sets up, puts it on a platter for Evan Bouchard, and he claps one off the post and in. Habs lose in overtime by a score of 2-1 to one to the Edmonton Oilers. Um, look, I would be upset about this, and I would probably turn this into a bit of a ref rant, if not for one simple fact. The Habs played a significantly better game than they did against the Sharks. And that was all I asked for. At, at the, the, anybody who listened to that episode, you guys heard me absolutely raging about how horrible they looked. Um, there's nothing that you can do about that at this point. That game exists, and we're going to have to remember that that exists for the remainder of this season and maybe even beyond that. Um, but they they played a much better game against the Oilers, and the Oilers are a much better team than the Sharks. So I got to give credit where credit is due. I liked their defensive strategy in that one. I think this was a very good um, turnaround game uh, coming out of that fucking atrocious effort against the Sharks. Um, that's what I was looking for. And so as a result, I can't really jump all over the refs uh, and start talking about that because I really think that this was uh, about the best that the Habs, that, that I could have asked for from the Habs. Uh, I maybe would have asked for a little bit more offensive output, uh, you know, put them on their heels a little bit more often. But honestly, that's not an easy task against an Oilers team that's looking like they're uh, becoming, if not well on their way to being the best team in the Eastern Conference. That was their 10th win in a row against the Habs. Apparently, and I didn't find this out until after the game, that's a franchise record for them. They've never won 10 games in a row prior to this season. So they have really uh, turned it around in a big way. And I think for me, you know, my credit to the Habs is for them turning it around in a small way, uh, coming off that shitty game against the Sharks. Oh, you give us a good one against the Oilers. All right, you know what? I'm back on uh, my positive uh, positivity streak rather so uh, i'm happy to say that that was a good game from them could have been better uh refs definitely could have been fucking better but that was not bad not bad and i think we need to give credit where credit is due and that brings me to the player of the game or silver lining of the night whatever you want to call it i'm going with cole caulfield for this one um cole caulfield was a player that i mentioned in the last podcast right i think he had a very bad game against the sharks he looked uncharacteristically bad in that game he was not involved he was uh quiet he was listless he was he was just he might as well have not been there and he changed that in a major way against the Oilers. He was very much involved in that game. From the first drop of the puck, he was all over the place. He's flying. He's dangling. He's getting shots. I think at one point when they had six shots on goal uh, in the first period, 
He had four of them. He was very good in that game. He was worth the price of admission for everybody in that building. And, uh, you know, if the puck rolls right for him, he might have had another goal in that game. And, uh, you know, he could have won the game for them in regulation. That's the kind of... He was he was generating opportunities for himself by doing a lot of the things that made him successful in the first place. Finding open ice. He finds that soft ice. He gets to it, makes himself available, and then gets ready to pull the trigger as soon as the puck comes to him. And he was doing that the whole game long. And really great game from him. Glad to see it. I think he needed it. I think almost everybody in Habs land was down on him after that Sharks game. Um, If you looked at Twitter, you could see plenty of people that were going, what the fuck is going on with him? How does he play that bad of a game? And then he comes out and has uh, one of his better games of the season. So uh, I think he's put that one to bed, and that's great news for the Habs. Uh, He's got 12 goals in the season. Not bad. It's uh, going to be real hard for him to get to that 50 mark that I originally thought he was going to get to. But... Look, uh, it, it's a rough season, so I don't think anybody on the team has a real legitimate chance of uh, hitting any milestones from a goal-scoring perspective. But he did well in that game, and uh, it's good news. So try to parlay that into some more excellent performances moving forward. Keep playing exactly like that. Forget about that Sharks game. Nobody needs to think about that one. Um, I also have to talk about uh, Josh Manhua. I think he played a good game. Um, he didn't really impose himself on that game very much. I would have liked to see him impose himself more, but at the same time, it's your first NHL game, and uh, the most important thing is that he did not look out of place for a second. Um, the big concern with him among most scouts, among most fans, has always been his skating. Is his skating good enough for the NHL level? He did not look out of place for a second, so his skating looked fine for the NHL level. Could it be better? Yeah. I I definitely think there are better skaters in the NHL than him, but he did not look out of place. That tells me he's capable of playing at this level. Um, I do wonder if that was the most effective line they could have put him on. They put him with, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, Armia and Monaghan. I, I think, I've said this many times, I think he would be the perfect third for Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. But right now, I don't think they want to fuck with a good thing. And Uri Slavkovsky is playing very good hockey on that top line. So they don't want to take him off there. And they're certainly not going to take him off there for a rookie uh, that they're not sure what he's going to look like on that line. So uh, I guess it makes sense. Uh, I'm curious to see what they do moving forward or if they even continue to let him have games. Um, if they get healthy, I like if Josh Anderson comes back, they they got to send somebody down. And I don't think they're going to send somebody who's waiver eligible. I think they would probably send Roy because he doesn't require waivers, simply. (laughs) I mean, it's easier to not lose an asset than it is to potentially lose an asset. So um, either way, I thought it was a good game from him. The good news is it didn't look out of place. Uh, Hopefully he gets more and more comfortable, and I, I really do hope that he gets more games and can show people a little bit more of what he's capable of doing when he's uh, feeling a little bit more uh, in his place in that league. So good game, good game. And I was super happy just to even see him in a Habs uniform. It was fantastic. I've been rooting for this kid since day one, and uh, I I could not possibly be happier than to see that kid in a Montreal Canadiens uniform. Um, Outside of that, I, I mean, Samuel Montembeau had a great game. What more can you say about this guy? He deserves to be an all-star. Um, and I, I guess that brings me to the All-Star jerseys. They put them up on the Sportsnet broadcast. 
I'm sure they put them on the TVA broadcast as well. But I was watching on Sportsnet, and those All-Star jerseys are probably the ugliest they've ever put together. Apparently, they were made in collaboration with Justin Bieber. Um, they, they look cartoonish. They look stupid as fuck. I would personally, <coughs> my chances of ever, if you offered me one of those for free, if you said, I'll give you one for free, I would say, no, thank you. I don't want it. If you said, I'll give it to you for free and uh, Nick Suzuki is going to sign it, I would still say, no, thank you. I don't fucking want it. I will get a real Habs jersey and I will go figure out a spot where I can meet Nick Suzuki and get him to sign it. I don't need these bullshit ass jerseys. They are cartoonish. They look like something straight off of Moron Mountain from Space Jam. And frankly, the jerseys in Space Jam were better designed than whatever Justin Bieber and his stupid company cooked up. Those are gross. They suck. And uh, they honestly piss me off. I already don't usually watch the NHL All-Star Game every year because I don't really care about it. I can guarantee you I'm not putting it on this season because I don't want that assault on my eyeballs. Um, the, the Hockey Night in Canada panel was like sitting there intermission pretending that they were nice. They were like, yeah, I like these. Like how much extra money did they give you to pretend that you like those? There's no room with four people in it in this fucking country or anywhere in the world that would look at those jerseys and all four of them would say, yeah, we like that. You guys are so full of shit. I hope they paid you well because you're liars. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I'm going to cut it off there. I don't really have much else to say about that game. I think it was a good game. I think they, they stepped up in a big way coming out of that San Jose game. And uh, all I can say is that I hope they continue that level of play into future games. I do not want to see a repeat of that San Jose game again for the remainder of this season. We're in the second half now. Forget about everything that happened in the first half and just try to play good hockey. That's it. We're running, what, a uh, little over 18 minutes, closer to 19 minutes. So, uh, we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.